This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joining us now is MLB handicapper Sean Zarillo. Okay, Sean, so let's talk about the New York Mets. And I'm going to give you one of three options, and you tell me which one you think uh, has the best value here. Mets plus 375 to win the NL East. Mets plus 270 to miss the playoffs altogether. And I guess the third option is to do neither of these. I would probably say neither, but I would lean to the miss the playoffs bet. You know, with the way that their rotation is trending, Scherzer clearly banged up. Not sure what we're going to get from Justin Verlander today, but Verlander was a guy who overachieved all of last season in his late 30s. Tommy John surgery in his recent history. There's a very high chance that he gets injured at some point the rest of the way, too. So don't like the way Tyler McGill is trending. Jose Quintana's still out. The Mets rotation is just an absolute mess right now. They have a ton of offensive talent. But even the kids who I thought would come up and give them some production, Francisco Alvarez, Repiti, they haven't really provided a ton yet a significant offensive boost. Maybe we see Ronnie Mauricio at some point later in the summer, but I don't like the way that things are trending for the Mets. I think the Phillies obviously getting Bryce Harper back or getting healthy. And you see teams like the Brewers, you know, the, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, the Dodgers, like there's going to be a squeeze with one of these teams, and I think the Mets or the Phillies are likely to miss the playoffs. So one of those two teams I think doesn't get in. I would only expect two from the Italy. Sean, uh, we all know that about 30 games into the season is no time to be taking a victory lap on anything. That looks like you nailed. But your strongest opinion, we spoke before the season, hard fade on the White Sox, and that is looking pretty strong right now. Uh, What have you seen from that team? I just, you know, no desire to improve their major league roster, right? Like, how long has Romy Gonzalez been on the roster before they they sent him down? It it was just egregious at that point. He was one of the worst major league regulars I've ever seen to start a season. And they've actually gotten some surprising things, like Jake Berger having a little mini breakout. I like Jake Berger. I like his story. Uh, Lucas Giolito getting back into form a little bit. But, I mean, Clevenger, Kopech, back in the rotation has been awful. I said that the roster, if it stayed healthy for the entire season, was a playoff caliber team. And even that assessment is looking like it might be incorrect at this point. There's just not much depth here. The bullpen is pretty bad. Moncada out every year. It's, you know, like the injuries haven't even fully cropped up yet. Robert has mostly given them playing time. I know he had that hamstring thing, but... Yeah, you know, I I think that at some point they have to decide whether they're going to view Dylan Cease as somebody who's going to be on their next competitive team. He's already 27. So do they they look to trade Cease and completely rebuild this thing? I I think it's definitely progressing that direction. Sean, what are um, some of your favorite bets for today? We were just talking about Cubs at Nats, where I am in Washington. And it's interesting that Corbin's XFIP is a little bit lower than his ERA. Maybe I was thinking these pitchers are a little bit uh, more even than their ERA suggests. Is there anything you like in that matchup? So I did bet a first five money line against Corbin. You know, I, I found ways to bet against Patrick Corbin a lot this season, and I haven't necessarily forced any of it. Um, so you mentioned his, his expected FIP at 4.6. I tend to look at expected ERA, which incorporates much more of the stack-ass data, how hard the ball is being hit. XFIP tends to uh, generalize itself more on the strikeout and walk numbers, and Corbin's still getting strikeout and walks at a decent clip. I actually think he's pitched much better in his past few starts than he has over the course of the season. 
But looking at his ERA at 5.7 and his expected ERA at 6.9, his expected ERA last year was 6.4. So there's almost a two-run difference Mm. between Corbin's expected ERA and his expected fifth, his fifth is Sierra. So for guys like him who are giving up a ton of hard contact, I'm definitely going to tend to believe in that expected ERA number, which I said is closer to seven. And if anything, he's actually overperformed compared to that. That's that I, I like what I've seen from him in his past couple starts. He found a groove last year, too, where he pitched much better over the summer after everybody had been fading him continually. So I said I, I laid the Cubs' first five line up to about minus 180 here, but I'm much less confident in betting against Corbin than I have been in recent weeks. Um, an, another underdog, you know, terrible team who I actually do like today, the Open A's at about plus 220 against the Mariners. I haven't found myself betting on the A's much this season, which I'm actually happy about because I, I feel like the line has probably been overinflated in, you know, their direction a lot of the time. Um, you know, you look at the attendance there, too. Like, would you be excited to play for 1,000 fans if you were on a Major League Baseball team? I think it would be anybody's uh-huh. dream to play in a professional sport. But if there were 1,000 people there watching you play, how excited are you going to be? So, yeah, really, really <laughs> tough times in Oakland right now. Um, it seems like the fans are checked out, the organization's checked out, but – I made this line closer to plus 170, and it's all the way up at plus 220. So just one of those things purely on the numbers I have to bet it. I also like the unders in that matchup, but it's it's a rare day where I'm finding myself betting on the A's, and I, I think it is justifiable today. It, that does make a lot of sense, even though, uh, you know, like me, when you're seeing the numbers, there's still that discomfort that it is uh, the A's or, you know, the, the 29th or 30th place team or something like that. So I, I can definitely empathize. want to continue uh, the talk when it comes to uh, the National League Central because uh, the Brewers are still massive favorites at minus 145. Uh, Cardinals are second at plus 375, even though they've had a just an awful start to the season, especially when you look at how well the Brewers have performed against winning ball clubs they have a 12 and 7 record so far this season is there something about the brewers to bet on as far as futures are concerned so i was lower on the brewers coming to the season I, I was on brewers futures the past couple of years um the cardinals caught fire over the summer after slow starts and i think that is the expectation again you know they're sitting 10 and 21 but at some point they're going to get hot. Now, their preseason projections, the updated projections, have sort of adjusted them from a 91 team to a 500 team. And given the current construct of the schedule, the fact that these central teams go and play the NL East and NL West teams more than they play each other now, they do have more difficult paths to getting multiple teams to the playoffs. Um, I maintain that if the Pirates had O'Neill Cruz, healthy, I would be much more interested in considering them as a potential playoff play or maybe even a visual play at this point. But the way that things are setting up for the Brewers, aside from their pitching health, is pretty nice. They have a young position player group that's really shown out. They're playing good defense. They're fast, athletic. All the things that lean into the new rule set benefit them. But Corbin Burns has taken a step back. Brandon Woodruff is banged up. Freddie Peralta has had injury history in the past. Eric Lauer's velocity is down and is showing signs of concern. So the Brewers have a big pitching advantage over the Cardinals, but at some point over the summer, that may disappear if their entire rotation goes on the aisle. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Brewers are probably in a good position, but I don't know if I would bet into their futures at this point, just in terms of how I see their pitching trending over the summer. I don't think that rotation is going to hold up, and I think it's already starting to show the cracks. So maybe the Cardinals could play catch-up again, but the Brewers might have already built too big of a lead at this point. I mean, they have a 
nine-game lead over the Cardinals directly at this point. So that may be too much to, you know, compensate over the summer. But, yeah, I'm not really interested in uh, the central team much from either league, to be honest. And that's really been the case for the past few seasons. I don't know, maybe it's some coastal bias, but uh, I just think the central divisions have been a little bit weaker over the past few years. Ah, uh, you know, that, that's pretty accurate. Any, uh, as far as the futures and awards, any recent additions, any teams or players uh, that you are keeping a close eye on at this point? Yeah, nothing I've added recently. Usually around the six-week mark of the season is when I really start to check in and decide whether I'm going to add more futures, whether I'm going to trade guys off of my fantasy team. That's that six-week mark, usually when we start to get data that starts to stabilize, like new strikeout rates for pitchers, stuff like that. So I'm starting to get interested as I've seen these guys five or six times, seen new pitch mixes from these pitchers. Guys like Joe Ryan for American League Cy Young really interest me. I know a couple of my colleagues bet him at 40-1 to last week before his last start. I think that was a really sharp bet. Ryan with his new splitter looks like an absolute ace. There's some guys out there who have new pitch mixes. Hazel Lizardo going today for the Marlins looks absolutely incredible. I said when he was young on the A's that I thought he would win multiple Cy Youngs in his career. He was my favorite pitching prospect coming up through the minors, and now he's fully hitting his stride. So I would be remiss probably not to add a long shot Cy Young future on Hazel Cesardo, just in the event that he keeps pitching this wall over the rest of the season. I don't, I don't want to look back at my article from three years ago where I said he'd eventually win one and miss the opportunity. But, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, now that we have six, seven starts of samples of these pitchers, with their new pitch mixes, I think we're starting to get a good level of where their strikeout rates are going to be and can kind of project them out the rest of the way. All right, let's turn our attention to the Kentucky Derby. Forte is the favorite and drew the 15 post. This is also one of the weaker fields that we've seen in a while, Sean. So how does that affect how you'll be betting the Kentucky Derby this year? Yeah, weaker field in general means weaker favorite compared to normal. None of these horses really have standout speed figures. Uh, I'm a big speed figures guy. None of them really have standout figures compared to what we've seen in the past. Typically, we see multiple horses coming into this race with speed figures, 105, 106, in the low 100s. There's only a couple here that have even hit 100 at this point in their careers. So it is a slower field relative to previous years. We can say that pretty confidently. And then also, just in terms of the way the international horse race stage is shaping in the past couple of years. Japan is becoming a much more dominant force, if not the domineering force, in horse racing. So I do think eventually this streak of 18 straight runners who have come over from Dubai and failed to hit the board in Kentucky, I think that's going to come to an end very soon, and I think it could end this year with the number 17, Jeremy Sitagaki. He is one of my favorite win contenders in this race. He should have the easy distance to get the full mile and a quarter of Churchill down and I also love this prep in UAE because it was the fastest UAE Derby, I think, that we've seen from one of these runners that has come over. I bet Mendelssohn, when he came over from UAE a couple of years ago, he didn't fire at all in the Kentucky Derby. It looked like a terrible bet, but truly he just didn't break out of the gate. I believe he was injured. And ultimately, it just extended the reasons why people will not bet on these Japanese horses until they win one. But I think that is the wrong approach. I think it's actually going to happen sooner rather than later. So if you continue to bet the Japanese horses in the next few years, I think you're actually more likely to hit it than just taking the opposite approach and saying none of them have done it yet. It's not going to happen. So Derma Sotogaki, a top win contender for me, the Japanese horse. I would probably throw out the other Japanese horse, continue arm. Uh, but then my other favorite top win contender of the, of the American horse is the number 14, Angel of Empire. 
I do think we're going to get a pretty honest pace in this race. And the two closers that I like the most, Angel of Empire and then also the number nine Skinner, I would probably put them together on a lot of my tickets because if I think there's a complete pace meltdown, it's very likely those two come running late and hit the board. For the casual Kentucky Derby fan, it is interesting uh, that normally the favorite or someone very close to the favorite uh, is is winning this race. And granted, you're looking at a small sample size because you're only looking at one race that happens once a year. But then last year, we got an 80-1 to 1 winner uh, in Rich Strike uh, coming through at the very end uh, to win the run for the Roses. In, in terms of, you know, that there is a weaker favorite in this year's field, should our approach change as far as how to look at odds and then look at, you know, win, play, show, anything like that? Well, you always have to keep it Mattress Mac in mind because Mattress Mac is going to come in with a very large bet to head just furniture promotion. And I would assume that bet is going to be on 4K. So people were hoping, you know, people who <laughs> handicap horses Good. who were hoping to be able to bet on the favorite – we're hoping to bet on 4K at 4 to 1, 5 to 1. I doubt that you get that price once max money comes in. So, yes, that means the favorite will be suppressed and everybody else's odds should float up. And I think given the fact that it is a more wide open field, even though we saw a big long shot wing last year, who, by the way, if he had drawn into the field earlier in the week, I've seen every handicapper say this week they would have tossed him out. You know, no hesitation. There was no way they ever would have considered even handicapping Rich Strike as a horse to hit, hit the board. So, just forget the fact that, you know, he was such a long shot. It, it, there was literally no chance that anybody even would have picked him. Uh, but I do think, you know, there are some long shots here this year that interest me. The number 11 disarm, I think, is sitting on a huge race, been training lights out heading into this derby. And at 30 to 1, you really can't talk me off of anything. I doubt he'll be that price at post time because he has looked so good. But as I said, with some big money coming in on the favorite. The Japanese money potentially hitting Derma Sotogaki and Continuar, I do think Disarm will be probably closer to 20 or 25 to 1 instead of 30 to 1 by post time. So look for those longer prices. Definitely look for those horses, too, who you see float up from, you know, 50 to 1 to 99 to 1. Listen, like, most of these horses should be 99 to 1 at the bottom end of the board, but some of them probably should not be. So as the odds sort of crunch and people forget about some of these horses, you know, say like the number four confidence game, I haven't heard a ton of people talk about because he's coming off of a lengthy layoff, but he's actually been training really well coming into the Derby. So I think a lot of people might avoid betting confidence game off of the fact that he hasn't raced recently. And maybe you get a 40 to one or a 50 to one on a horse like confidence game, who should realistically probably be 25 or 30 to one. So those horses in that, you know, 15 to 21 range, look at them to float up closer to 50 and then maybe consider putting them on your tickets. Ooh, uh, 30 seconds, Sean. Uh, another long shot. I didn't hear you mention the name. Uh, what do you think about Reincarnate? Reincarnate is a horse that I've actually seen people give some support for. Um, he is likely to be the pace setter in this race to me, and I don't know if there's going to be a slow enough pace for him to wire the field. So maybe he hangs on and gets a piece for third or fourth. I do expect him to be in a good position, and typically you want a horse's forwardly place, but wouldn't really put him be below the, uh, the bottom end of my exotic third or fourth place. Maybe he hangs on and gets a piece. Sean Zarillo, MLB handicapper and quite the horse racing expert, I might add. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we play Nickel or Dime right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.